When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and this is a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing? L.J., I'm... Doing good. Uh, the Yankees had a very, very nice win today. Five in a row now. I was unable to watch any of the game as I was working at the spectacular Saratoga race course. Uh, saw a spectacular day of racing there. But uh, it's time to talk some baseball. LJ, last night uh, for the show, we just I re-uploaded uh, the Tuesday's episode that was unable to fully get yeah. up. So you heard our trade. 40 minutes. Yep. So you heard our trade deadline grades there, but we have quite a bit of news to talk about here. Uh, this first story broke and I was really surprised about it. Uh, LJ, you want to, you want to get into um, it? Yeah. First I'm going to preface this all um, going back to the intro. Look, I was listening to a podcast for the first time this morning, and I flat out turned it off because I'm like, man, this guy doing the intro is mad annoying. Let me tell you, that's probably the cringiest one we've ever done. So stick with us. If you've gotten this far, don't don't change to something else else on your phone for your drive yet. Stick with it. It gets much better. 
But yeah, center fielder for the Oakland A's, Ramon Laureano, has now been suspended for performance-enhancing drug use. This comes in the midst of his best year of his career by, I would like to say, by a decent margin. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been... He's been kind of an underrated guy his entire career, but I mean, let me. All check right, for, good first half. Let me check out the the baseball reference. I mean, a one twelve OPS plus is solid. That's absolutely. That's I, I remember. I remember him really balling out through the first couple of months, though. Yeah, I mean, he's at a two point four WAR right now, so he was potentially on pace for a four WAR season, which is you know, close to an all-star caliber player. Certainly. Um, Brandon, I mean, should we have seen this coming? No. I mean, this is uh, it's a shocker to me. Seriously. I mean, this is a huge blow to Oakland, though. They trail the Astros by, what, four games over there in the West? They have a one and a half game lead on the Yankees for the second wild card spot, and Toronto, Seattle are both, uh, both kind of in it as well. You know, Loriano's been an above average hitter for his entire career, and of course, we've seen what he can do on defense. He has an incredible arm. Cena makes some tremendous plays at the wall. So this is a big loss for Oakland. Yes, they did trade for a center fielder in Starling Marte, but they were hoping to have kind of two center fielders patrolling the outfield. And now you're losing probably the better defender in Loriano. So Oh, certainly the best better for, defender. Tough loss for Oakland. Yeah, look, I mean, you never want to see this happen, especially with a guy that's got ties to our region. But I also don't like that idea of should we have expected it. I think it's nice that we, the two of us have pretty much grown up in a world where PDs weren't on the front of everyone's mind. Like, if you went, if you went to the late 90s, most of the 2000s, it was such a big talking point and so consistently a thing that I feel like a lot of good seasons get could get easily get chalked up into this questionable limbo, but we've gotten away from that. Let's make sure we don't get back into that. However, I would also like to add a little bit of speculation here. Granted, I don't think this is the case because, I mean, you look at what they were, what their other options were, like a Seth Brown or a Tony Kemp in the outfield you definitely wanted starling Marte. not only is he a great bat to put in your lineup but he's a much better bat than the other options you had on your team he's an obvious impact plus with l'oreal in the lineup you don't think they had any idea this was coming do you no i i mean they 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 could have they absolutely could have uh and Still, the corner outfield is still a big, big hole on the team now. I mean, they're basically back where they started, uh, just replacing Marte with 
Loriano. LJ, something I find really interesting I'm reading here. So he entered the season with just over two years of big league service. As of right now, he has 128 days of service this year, which puts him at about 3.015, okay? So Mm -hmm. you do his 80-game suspension. Assuming that uh, he stays on Oakland, so they don't trade him or anything, uh, for the rest of the year, he'll tally 156 days of service. Basically, he will end the season with 3.171 years of MLB service, one day shy of the 3.172 threshold required to push him over four seasons, which means his path to free agency would be delayed by another an, an entire season as he'd be eligible for the fourth arbitration year. <laughs> so... What you're telling me here now is my initial take of could the team know? Because granted, I think that's a very, very fair discussion of how much do these teams overlook once they find out about things that have already been done. And I wouldn't put it past any team to kind of just turn a blind eye if it's already been happening under their nose and they hadn't noticed it and caught it in a decent amount of time. However, now that question flips to, did they know and did they intentionally whistleblow to get this guy tested? I mean, that's, that, that's the ideal situation for any of these small market teams, especially, especially if you have a guy like Starling Marte that can come in there, all of a sudden you get another year of service time on one of your better players. I mean, well, granted, granted you want to win, but if you were already going to be in a winning state with Loriano and no Marte, then th- this is, a minor loss comparatively and you gain, you gain, you gain a pretty nice return. Well, and also the thing with this whole service time thing that I explained is that it's just estimates right now. Uh, Let's say Oakland makes like a deep playoff run. Well, then he'll accure more, more service time. Well, no, like let's Oakland does one thing and one thing right only. They lose in the wild card, just like the Twins. That's their their, their lot in life. So if they did all these moves just to lose in the wild card, just so that they gain an extra year of service on an above-average hitting center fielder, that is some absolute 8D chess. Like some absolute. It is. Here's the reality of the situation. Even if this doesn't happen, they still lose in the wild card. So, yeah, it's the way things are meant to be. No, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, LJ, this next one you put in here, and I think it's uh, it's pretty fitting. Yeah, this is just a really, I guess you could call it an odd situation here. Craig Kimbrell, of course, was one of the bigger returns that anyone got for anybody at the deadline this year. Of course, star closer from the Cubs goes across town to the White Sox. They now have the crosstown rivalry. Um, Crosstown rivalry series this weekend. And things did not get off to a good start for poor Craig Kimbrell as he ends up blowing the save on a three-run home run to uh, Romine. Romine. 
Andrew Romine. And of course that ends up leading to eventual an eventual Cubs win. Not only is that a rough way to return to Wrigley if you're Craig Kimbrell, but the odds are just next to none. I mean, listen to this, Brandon. Craig Kimbrell had given up two earned runs the entire season before this. So he was the closer. He was one of the best closers in the league for the entire season. Gave up two earned runs, then gave up three on that one swing. A swing by Andrew Romine, who had not hit a home run since the 2017 season. <laughs> that is, it just goes to show that in baseball, it is such a volatile sport. Like, it doesn't matter how good of a pitcher you are, or how bad of a hitter you are, anyone can take anyone deep at any given point. And that's, that's what makes it great. Uh, LJ, the thing I want to talk about here real quick, we're still going to vote Craig Kimbrell for National League Reliever of the Year or whatever league he's going to qualify for. He's been the best reliever the whole year, right? He'd only allowed two earned runs. You see, I think that's that's tricky. You see, it comes down to two things. First off, which is he actually eligible for? Is he eligible for AL or is he eligible for NL? Because he has, he'll have more time in NL, but he finishes in the AL. Yeah. The other thing is, if it's the AL, that becomes incredibly more tricky because the only other person that's really in competition for him is the other guy that's sharing the closer role with him. <laughs> so overall, I would have to say he's still the favorite for whichever one he's in, but it is a very hard path now, regardless of the three-run homer. Honestly, five earned runs or two earned runs at this point in the year does not make that much of a difference. So, It's a nightmare for whoever has to fill out those, those ballots because it's like, how do you assess those two now that they're on the, on the same team with an 80-something-year-old manager? I mean, you see, I don't know. And it's weird because... He has said a couple times that Kimbrell would be getting the lion's share of this closer role since our last conversation about it, but he's only gotten one try at it out of the three games he's played for them. Now, also, Tony, um, we miss Tony, but the other thing you have to bring up here in terms of AL, if you just look at his AL stats, things are not going well. Despite him having a 4.49 ERA for Chicago, and that now moves up to a 1.14 ERA on the year, that 10.13 ERA for the Chicago White Sox is not looking too hot. So there might be there might be a voter that decides to split it up and look at the splits of what he did in the American League against American League hitting, and that wouldn't look too great for him. So overall, yeah, this is going to be a very tough job. I did overestimate Tony LaRusso's age. He's in his 70s. He's 76, not 80. So 90. Still 100. 110. Uh, LJ, also, Carlos Rodon, how about his performance tonight? Yeah, Carlos kind of got a little nasty. 
throws 11 strikeouts over a lot of innings, a couple innings, maybe a few innings. I really don't have that number here. Hold on. I'm looking at it. Five innings. Yeah, so that's, that's a very good night. Five innings, two hits, shut out with two walks and 11 strikeouts. Uh, talk about a guy who is going to be on some kind of Cy Young ballot here. Uh, what's his ERA now? Because uh, he's at over 150 strikeouts. He was an all-star. He's approaching four war. His ERA is a 2.38. I mean, and he's got a fifth of a 2.69 entering tonight. So he's been just... Out of nowhere, eight he had an eight ERA last year, a five ERA in 2019. Now all of a sudden, this guy is a legitimate Cy Young candidate. Uh, crazy. And so the White Sox have two Cy Young candidates in Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon, and then two candidates for the reliever of the year, both on the both in, in their bullpen, but one of them could win both the National League and American League one. That's it's amazing. Yeah, this is just a wealth of weapons here. Again, I'm not sure. I still can't be convinced that the sacrifice was worth it. Although the more I look at Cesar Hernandez's numbers, he's having quite a year. But I just I really hope the sacrifice is worth it because this could be one of those trades that leaves White Sox fans shaking their heads for years to come i mean realistically don't get me wrong if they were to win the world series this year which they absolutely could none of that's going to matter and it's going to be a worthwhile cost to bring craig kimberl in but if they like got upset early or even even lost and then all of a sudden really struggled to fill in production for the next five to seven years at the second base spot People are going to look right back to this trade and say, was it really necessary to bring in such a highly valued guy to be a secondary closer or a primary closer with another very good secondary closer on this team? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree because it's also like this team is so young. When you look at someone like Luis Robert, and Eloy Jimenez, who haven't even played for most of this year, and the White Sox have already been able to do what they've done. You know, did they cash in too early? And now they don't really have that sort of second wave of prospects that seems so important. You know, LJ, it seems that, sure, you get those top guys up there, but then you need just a few more guys to supplement them coming right after. Yeah. Uh, on another note here, Tigers continuing to roll here. They're only five games off of 500, and they're getting a pretty dilapidated Cleveland Indians roster right now. We'll be talking about the Indians in a little bit. Um, I'm I'm continuing to fall for this team, and I'm not I'm not sure how to stop myself. Yeah. Uh, shall we talk about a little bit of news that they made that they. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the Tigers extend Jonathan Scope two-year contract extension. He was scheduled to hit free agency this offseason. 
Uh, but he will be now with the Tigers through the 2023 season. He's 29 right now. He will earn $7.5 million in each of those two additional seasons. So $15 million guaranteed. And he can opt out of the deal following the 2022 season. Uh, Jonathan Scope is a Scott B Boris. Excuse me, Scott Boris client. LJ, uh, Scope, he's always been kind of an underrated guy in his career. Um, I'm surprised to see him over a 100 OPS plus. I've always thought he was a really good uh, infielder. He could kind of play a little bit of second base. That was his main spot, and I thought he was really good at that. But the Tigers have had him at first a little bit this year as well. Yeah, I think it's a great decision to bring him back because he's one of the few guys in this roster, I don't mean to sound mean, that you really feel you can rely on. I mean, within the next four years, I can point out four guys on this roster that I really think are worthwhile keeps. And, of course, we're talking about this team has a lot of really great young pitching here they're going to want to start moving towards competing in the next couple of years a lot of this uh lineup is going to have to have turnover but jonathan scope i think probably is the best number yeah he's the net best numbers wise out of the whole lot of guys i think are worthwhile and then again you don't have to keep him at first base because again because there's always we always seem to find value at all sorts of positions in the infield so having the versatility of going to second or first they aren't they aren't handy, handcuffed by what position he plays and what positions they can go after in free agency. If there's a if there's a middle infielder they like, they can go out and be aggressive and sign them. If there's a first baseman they like, they can go after him either. So it doesn't really hurt the team to bring him in. No, and he's a guy who has twenty war in just nine seasons. Uh, well, really eight and a half. Um, so has certainly put together a very nice career and he's getting another payday. So uh, always like to see that for a guy like him who's really put the work in since day one. But uh, LJ. It might be, it yeah, might be weird that I'm just noticing this. I probably should have seen it before. Robbie Grossman's got 17 homers and 12 stolen bases this year. Kind of nasty from the gross man. You know, he has really put together a nice, like, last two seasons. I mean, 2020, he's with Oakland. I think he had over an 800 OPS. This year, he's sitting just under an 800 OPS, and he's he's a real solid player. Yeah, I mean, it, the other thing that I don't think you can understate as well is overall clutch ability. And I think that's a good that's a good sign of whether you have it or not. If you can be on a middle of the pack or bad team like the Tigers have been this year, where they're not really talked about, they're not somebody that you're going out and watching, you're not somebody that ESPN, NBC, CBS, Fox are going out of their way to promote. If you know the name purely because he's always the guy that has the winning hit or the winning home run, or something like that, 
that's a really good sign, regardless of what he's doing on the field, regardless of what his team's doing. If he, that's how you know him, not by his daily body of work, that's a good sign towards general clutchability. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. Uh, and he's had a couple clutch homers against the Yankees, a couple clutch hits, so certainly familiar. But, LJ, the next story here involving the Cleveland, soon-to-be Cleveland Guardians, and they file a copyright? Um, no, actually, this is a much different story than I think you're thinking. This has more problems, of course, other than just fan backlash, as the Cleveland Indians, who, of course, wants to make the most ridiculous decision of their franchise's history. Yes, I said that. Of their franchise's history. You can go back and find a lot of other absolutely batshit things that they've done, but this is by far one of the dumber things they've ever done. They've run to another problem as their marketing geniuses have failed to consider all of the other pro sports teams in the area. That's right. There is another Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians roller derby team is now trying to file a copyright so they can either, of course, keep the name entirely for themselves or get a good chunk of money from the Cleveland Indians organization in order to get the name Cleveland Guardians back from them. Uh, In addition to that, I guess they have also added a brand new merchandise section to their website, a website that has not sold tickets or merchandise in over three years. So the real Cleveland Guardians are really cashing in on this opportunity. Yeah, you know, I I did not expect the story to turn that way (laughs) uh, when you had it in there, but that is actually really interesting to me. Uh, so what this this roller derby team just got just got jealous and they're like hey wait a minute we haven't been around for three years and now they're trying to take our name it's like nope we're a thing again you can't no no, no. they've been a thing they're just like they didn't sell stuff on their website now all of a sudden they know that people are trying to get like cleveland guardian stuff like all of the super Indian super fans that want to get their guardian stuff early mm-hmm. might get tricked into their into buying their merch by accident. I believe is what they're thinking. Got their it. thought process is. Look, it. I think I speak for the podcast when we say here that we stand a hundred percent, completely, fully with the real Cleveland Guardians. Stand up for yourselves. You deserve to be the only Cleveland Guardians in Cleveland. Not only do you deserve that but the nation needs you to be the only Cleveland Guardians in Cleveland. Let's make this such a PR nightmare that they have to go around and change it. Because honestly, this is a really good question. How on earth did the Indians not expect this? Like out of all of the dotting your I's and crossing your T's you have to do when you're trying to do a full rebrand like this, you don't think to make sure there's no other obscure sports teams with the exact same name in your city, especially when it's a famous city landmark that you're naming yourself after. Like you you got to have better attention to detail, even if it is a small, a small team. I really think you're underestimating the Cleveland Indians ownership and what they've done the last, I don't know, 
20 years. <laughs> Do we need to bring Tom back on from, from a rocking at the Jake to just, you know, rant about it again? I mean, we probably should get a reaction to this at some point, especially if I continue to make a stink about it because I plan to make a stink about it forever. Um, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, this is just, this is bad, especially when you, there's so many names out there. I mean, first off, is that, is that marketing company that used to do all the minor league teams still around? You know, the one that came up with all the crazy names? Oh yeah, maybe. Like, I'm sure that- I forget, I forget what their names are, but like, you could have put brought them in because no one's used them on the major league level. You could really have a standout name that was just completely- wacky and cool the other people that 100 should have used it the boston red sox more specifically the group that was that made the plan to move the triple a team from Pawtucket to worcester because you went from the paw socks to the woo sock granted they get called the woo a lot now which is a lot more fun than anything but brandon do you know what the mascot is for the woo what is it it's a smiley face it's Uh-oh. just a smiley face. It literally looks like the smiley face on the plastic bags you get from Chinese takeout. Oh, okay. Okay. Like the have a nice day bags. Yeah. Yeah. That's what their best, that was their best idea to come up with for the mascot for this group. Like you need to, do, people need to do better, especially when you see somehow, some way, actually that's the biggest failure of the Indians here is that they have made the Washington football team look good. Like genuinely look good because both of them are changing their name for the same reason, but rather than rushing into a name change, they're taking their time and making sure they don't royally screw this up. So somehow they have made one of the most dysfunctional organizations in sports look competent. Which, yeah, we don't, we don't see this very often. (laughs) however uh next up in more of a light-hearted segment here uh brock holt made his season debut on the pitcher's mound today and registered a 30 mile an hour pitch lj I know that a Red Sox last night also was pitching uh, very slow as well. Yeah, this is a um, rather weird situation. First off, shout out to Brock, my boy, 
still miss you. But yeah, this is of course not his first performance on the pitcher's mound. Overall has gone semi-well all along. But yeah, so he breaks the record tonight, sets it at 30. But the record also got broken last night as infielder for the Boston Red Sox, Jonathan Arauz, pitched the last inning of the game and recorded a 32.6 mile an hour ball, which at the time was the slowest recorded in the history of the recording machines. So yeah, somehow we've managed to break this record twice in one week. I'm not going to make an overreaction to this because it's not near this problem hasn't nearly been as bad as it was back in April. Honestly, I think this is a good time to reflect on that. We were at really asking ourselves, is this trend going to continue and keep getting worse as like, it felt like every day or every other day, somebody was bringing a position player into pitch in the month of April. Well, the answer has largely been, no, it's not going to continue. I mean, it's going to be used when necessary, but it feels like the stories of them are dying down a lot more. Like I'm hearing more about it like twice a month than I'm hearing it three times a week. So overall, that's pretty positive for the game. Yeah. And <laughs> April was such a weird month because it, it felt like, oh my God, there's so many blowouts, but also why is there so many no hitters? Like why are the pitchers so dominant? at the same time and uh we saw a lot of position players pitching lj I, I always i always bring up that one instance that the game you were at what did the 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 white Sox do exactly the white Sox were i want to say down four and decided to spend the last two innings with position players rather than actual pitchers and like this it, with fresh arms at the start of the season this was with fresh arms. All right, it, was, it was right at the day after a, bat, a doubleheader. But still, it was, it was right at the start of the season. Like, it wasn't like they'd been pitching for months on end. There was, at that point, there were no 20-day stretches where you had no off day. Yeah. So, I agree with you that this was a good time to kind of look back on that and be like, you know, we're glad it's over. That was something we're not going to – we're going to try to forget. <laughs> Take it away and just put it in a box and then crush the box. Put some gasoline on it and burn it. I think that's the most – that's the proper way to treat this whole situation. All right. Well, LJ, uh, to one of our last segments we're going to do here tonight, just a bit of a shorter show. Anyways, uh, we're going to do – players of the week uh we're just gonna do it for the last seven days we're just kind of picking a day here saturday we'll be like yeah who's been the player of the week for the from last saturday up until this point so honestly i'm not sure maybe we'll decide on our own we may put up a poll but i can't decide which way is better to do it saturday because it's the technical start Sunday's the technical start of the calendar week and we have a whole lot of other stuff that we'd be able to do on Sunday that we wouldn't really have as much time for this is that the best way or is the best way to just pick a random day every week it doesn't matter if it's been a full week or not and I can't decide which way would be more amusing to me I mean I know which way would be more amusing to me but which way is best 
Uh, we will certainly discuss we that. We could like but... spin a wheel like every Sunday night, and then whatever day it lands on for that week, that's that's whatever day we do it. So so check out tomorrow to see if we're doing the MVP again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but the problem could be was we could get it for Sunday, and then we spin the wheel on that Sunday night, and we get Monday. So then it's we're doing it. Oh, you're saying spin it every day, the day we do it. No, no, no. Every Sunday we spin it, right? But let's say yeah. we get Sunday. So we wouldn't do it until. Oh, you're not going to do it this Sunday. You're going to do it next. We're going to do it next, next yeah, Sunday. Next okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got you. So then you could be spinning it and doing it on the same day. You would. <laughs> that would be a nightmare. That'd be the dream. All right, uh, LJ, do you have a, a player of the week? Absolutely, I do. All right, go ahead. Look, if the Martians are pointing their death ray down at Earth, give me Tyler O'Neill. Over six games this week, he's gotten into the plate 24 times, homered once, scored five runs, and driven in one. He's currently slashing... 556, 25, and 800 over these last six games. Cooking with gas, striking out a little too much for my taste, but that is just fine by me when you're able to do the stuff he's doing. He has collected 0.7 war over the week. And yeah, I mean, also adding in a plus performance on the defensive side as well. Tyler O'Neill could not have done more for me. He is absolutely tearing it up. All right. For me, it's going to be Cal Quantrill for Ooh. the Cleveland Indians. Uh, he started two games this week, 13 innings, no earned runs, 16 strikeouts. That led all pitchers this week. And look, he got one win out of it, zero ERA, and – Looked really, really good. Only allowed seven hits in those 13 innings. So I'm going to go with him, but it was also really close between uh, George Springer as well. I think those are pretty solid ideas. I believe we do have one more spot to talk about before we see all, see all of y'all to uh, manana. Excuse yeah, me. unless you want to do, uh, just on the spot here, because I was thinking the show's been a little shorter. Do you want to do a small talk smackdown here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But first, we should talk about the uh, last spot we kind of yeah. wanted to wrap back around to here. Uh, the one that we hadn't been talking about as much as a couple other major playoff-esque playoff competition matchups in the next couple of weeks. Of course, you got the Mets run. You had Dodgers-Astros. But we hadn't gotten a chance to talk about this Giants-Brewers series that's ongoing and already starting to heat up. So tonight we had Aaron Sanchez and Brandon Woodruff on the mound for these two teams. This was a pretty much a bullpen game for San Francisco as they end up winning this one in extras as this one is tied at two. Tied at two apiece going into extras, of course after San Francisco got the tying run in the ninth off of Fader? Uh, off of Brent Suter, I Brent believe. Suter. Yeah, it was Brent Suter. So, anyway, they come into the next half inning. 
put three runs on the board, including the Manfred runner, only for Milwaukee to manage to tie it up in the bottom. They go on to the 11th, and San Francisco outscores them four to one. This is one of the bigger. Yeah, this is a. I don't. I can't remember a time where we've gotten that's four, seven, 11 runs over two innings of extra innings baseball this year. I mean, even with the Manfred runner, that's a ridiculous stretch of innings here for these two teams to tie up. They should be proud of themselves. But yeah, the Giants end up at set the 70 win mark with this win. Milwaukee is still, of course, worlds ahead in their own division. But this is one of the few times that they've really gotten to challenge themselves recently with this current roster, this look that they've got with playoff, play, true playoff caliber potential that I can remember. And they're really holding their ground here. This is going to be a fun series. It certainly is. The Giants with the best record in the league, the Brewers with tied for the third best record in the league. But LJ, the Giants, they have a better record, that three games better than every team in the league. Tampa Bay sits number two right now. But, I mean, San Francisco has really just had their foot on the gas pedal the entire season. They haven't let up one time. They've been – they really haven't had a, a bad stretch, LJ, I don't think once this year. You know, I yeah. think – I think with every team, you can kind of look to a stretch and be like, yeah, like that's a that's a tough 10 games for them. San Francisco, I don't think, has really had a really rough 10-game stretch. Now, I'm sure someone's going to be able to find, oh, well, they won two out of 10 in mid-May or something. And it's like, well, yeah, but, I mean, at least from the way LJ and I have been following it, you know, they, it, it doesn't seem like that they've really gotten knocked around too much. And look – this team seems legit with the by the fact that they can beat good teams late in games, and that's what you need to do in the playoffs. You need to be able to come through with those clutch at bats against those big time relief pitchers, and uh, they certainly can do that. Yeah, I think overall, the reason that you don't think of any stretches with this team is because they've managed to salvage the bad stretches in a way that doesn't kill their momentum. Like, even if they have struggled, if they weren't able to get everything going, they could easily have a four and six stretch here, but it wouldn't feel like one because they managed to win the games they needed to to keep their momentum. Namely, I mean, you bring up May. They easily, May probably was their worst month record rise. Of course, I don't have that up in front of me so I can't say for sure certain but I would think I would certainly think that with the fact that they had to play the Dodgers twice and the Padres twice but even with that they easily managed to salvage both of those all four of those series to being either very manageable or wins so those that's that really shows how good this team is and that this is a legitimate team the fact that they can they can win the games that they know will shift the tide in their season. Yeah, uh, and I absolutely agree. And it's going to be – that's going to be a team that 
bold strength in the playoffs. I just it's going to be fun to see them. That's 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 what I'll say. But you don't want to see him. LJ, one last thing prior to Small Talk SmackDown. The Phillies beat the Mets again. The Phillies have now won seven games in a row. The Mets are only two games above 500. Uh, yeah, Ian Kennedy gets the save. Phillies tried to blow the game in the ninth, but uh, they're able to salvage it. LJ, what are we thinking about the Mets now? They are just crashing and burning. Look, I I didn't think that I could give up on this team as quickly as I did, but I think we pretty much both dropped them like a hat earlier this week before this series. They desperately needed to have a strong start to May. To or not May, geez. I wish it was still May. We could talk baseball for a lot longer. Um, at, for the start of August, they needed a much stronger start for the start of August. And as soon as they didn't do that, it was just going to be an absolute slaughter throughout the rest of this month. They really needed momentum going into it. They needed to salvage a series like the Phillies. They needed to salvage one or two of the home stands against the NL West teams. And this team just hasn't shown me the fight to be able to do that overall. Yeah. I just, I think, I think it was very easy to say, okay, if this happens, if this happens, this is still the best this is still the division leading team, the division leading team for like 80 days. So yeah, I mean, I think it was easy enough to justify that they could do everything and they could be in a good position without actually looking at it and saying, all right, is this team actually someone you trust to execute? And when it came down to it, I, I couldn't, I couldn't give them that. How about Philadelphia, though? Seven wins in a row. Their hottest stretch of the season. They now take, what, a two-game lead over the Mets? A one-and-a-half-game lead? So they can't lose the series, or they can't lose the division lead, even if they lose uh, tomorrow. But I believe they have their ace going, right? Is Zach Wheeler going tomorrow? Uh, that sounds right, because Gibson was tonight, right? Am I crazy for saying that? No, he was last night. Tonight was the Phillies bullpen game. Oh, okay. Yes, it is Zach Wheeler tomorrow. I just checked. Wheeler versus Walker. Ooh, very good game. So that's definitely going to be one to watch if you're not watching the last day of the Olympics. Uh, Yeah, I ended up actually, I ended up over on the Phillies side of Twitter today. Let me tell you. I have never seen this fun a party on Twitter. Like, overall, this is just seems to be a very content fan base. They know that they're in a good position, and they're just going to ride it all the way. I mean, look, you've got hot bats, you've got hot arms, and you've got a team that's committed to saying, okay, let's capitalize on this opportunity that's staring us right in the face, that we can take this division – we can not only take this division, but we can take over this division so it's nice and comfortable this month if we do our job. Let's go do it. Yeah, and, and not only that, it's like we got Zach Wheeler going tomorrow. The Mets let him walk, right? Uh, they didn't want to pay him. He ends up signing that big contract with Philadelphia. Imagine if he shuts down the Mets tomorrow, puts them two and a half games out of it, 
and the Mets still have one of the toughest schedules in the league from this point on. The Phillies have the easiest schedule in the league from this point on. It is an uphill battle for the Mets right now, and they need to do everything to win tomorrow or tonight uh, against Zach Wheeler. Um, speaking of which, another part of my journey is through Twitter today. Got over to Yankees Twitter. Is everybody okay with this whole Andrew Heaney thing? Because, I mean, the numbers weren't good, but they weren't that bad. How bad was that game today? Well, we won, and he got the win, so. No, I know, but, like, it, it, it felt like a cataclysm. I'm, I was at work. I didn't, I didn't see that one of the rare games this year where I was unable to watch a single pitch. However, uh, Heaney made a good first start for us. Uh, the first start he made against the Orioles was, I mean, four innings, four earned runs. We did lose that game, and we got that was that was a rough game. But he he's pitched out of some big spots. I mean, we're not really asking a lot for him, but certainly we could get a bit more from him. But it's to be expected. He strikes out a lot of guys, he walks a lot of guys, and he gives up a lot of home runs. He's the anti fifth. He's he's the guy that brings you a good baseball game. Yeah. All right, I, I can't. I, I can't. Not meaning this in a bad way. I mean, I've I've seen worse starts this year. Four innings, four earned is not a good start. No. But I believe what was tonight? Tonight. La- last I last I checked, it was also four four innings, four earned. Okay, so it ended up being. Oh, so he went. All right, because last I checked, it was four innings, four hits, four earned. So that was a much better last two innings out of him, but. It just felt like disaster. I mean, I, I can understand it. I mean, you look at his numbers right now. It While you didn't need something, if you're going to go get something, I feel like you expect a team that's go- if they're going to buy, they're going to buy something other than a five-starter. LJ, can we give one quick shout to Clay Holmes? Ever since he joined the Yankees, uh, he has pitched into a second inning of work three out of four outings and has only allowed one earned run in five and a third of work, six strikeouts has legitimately been one of the best relievers uh, for the Yankees this last week or so. And uh, it's all thanks to the pirates. So thank you for, for uh, giving us Clay Holmes, but LJ, shall we do a little bit of small talk smackdown? Oh, why not? I'm not sure my brain is functioning at, at max capacity to do it, but let's do it. Random starting. The New York Mets. The New York Mets. All right. Well, we just kind of talked about them, but what is going wrong with the Mets? Well, let's take a look at the score of that game today where the Mets drop at five to three. What went wrong? I mean, they got the start from Tyler Miguel, who LJ had been kind of kind of got mad at me for, you know, me not giving him the respect he should have had. Brad Miller homers off of him. Brad Miller ends up homering twice in this game, believe it or not. But 
I mean, this Mets team just seems like the wind came out of your guys' sails the last few weeks. And, you know, you get the news that Jacob DeGrom is going to be out for two more weeks. Uh, Edwin Diaz has been out for the last few games, I believe, because he was on the paternity list. And, you know, you make a really nice trade for Javi Baez. You try to get a nice trade in there for Rich Hill. But, you know, these moves don't mean anything if you don't have any team chemistry and can't can't get the job done. So as of right now, I mean, you guys are absolutely at rock bottom. The top two players for the Phillies since 2019 in terms of multi-home run games, Bryce Harper has six. Brad Miller has five. Not a shocker. He probably has three this year. <laughs> With right. five. LJ. We have six home runs on the year. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure. Oh, boy. I got the Boston Red Sox. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. Well, I must say... This could not be a worse period of time, and I'm not sure if this is something mental or whatever, but August just has not been the month for the past two years because, I mean, let's, let's, let's think back. We start the season, of course, at the very end of July last year, and at that point, no one – no, you can't really count July as a month. It was like four days. So the start season starts effectively with August numbers, Raphael Devers, nowhere to be found. J.D. Martinez, nowhere to be found. Xander was fine. Verdugo was fine. But all of a sudden, we get around to this year, a much better team. At least this team is playing for something. At that point, even the start of August, that team wasn't playing for anything. So you then turn around to this year where they're leading the division. And all of a sudden, we get the same disappearing act. We now are in a situation where the Red Sox have five hits with runners in the scoring position this month. This month, we are eight days in, I believe eight games in, and we're looking at five. We're looking at a below 500 last six weeks. And overall, this is just not a time to vibe. And there's no real solution. The coaching staff can only do so much, I have, I have to say to you, because as much as you can complain – as much as you want to whine, you can only make so many moves. Granted, this Tanner Houck move to bring him into the rotation, which happened yesterday, should have happened a while ago, but that is not the reason you're lo- losing. If you're not putting up runs, it doesn't matter if the starter isn't keeping you competitive in the game all the time. Because even when they are going, you get stuff like this with Nick Pavetta pitching a gem this, this afternoon and just not 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 having it work out. Well, uh, we end the show. Um, quite a negative note for the Mets and the Red Sox, but hey, tomorrow's another day. The Red Sox get another chance against the Tigers. The Mets get one more against the Phillies. But that is going to do it. For this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check us out. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. And play our trivia game on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening. My name is Brandon Karam. He's LJ LaFiora. And we'll see you later.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. O'Reilly Auto Parts specializes in keeping your car on the road. Not sure how much life is left in your battery? Our professional parts people will test it for free. If it does need to be replaced, we'll help you find just the right one to fit your car. Our superstar batteries are built to handle even the toughest conditions. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, oh, oh. 